Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. What up? It's the Crossover Pod Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, coming to you live, uh, well, on tape, technically, from Milwaukee, uh, site of Games 3 and 4 of the NBA Finals. You'll be hearing this after Game 4, but my guests today join me just before that game. And though their team trailed 2-1, to one, they were pretty damn excited about the prospects of bringing a title to Milwaukee. They are Mark Lasry, one of the co-owners of the Bucks, and Alex Lasry, who is Mark's son and formerly senior vice president for the Bucks. Alex is on leave at the moment from the team while running for the uh, Democratic primary for Senate in Wisconsin. So yeah, we had a lot to talk about. Giannis, this wild ride to the finals, all the twists and turns of the last seven years since their group bought the team, some lessons learned along the way, some regrets, and just a lot of really great insights and stories. I love this conversation. Before we get to that, a reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, welcome back, Full 48 listeners. Glad you found me. Thanks for all the kind reviews this week. Appreciate it. Tell your friends. And if you've got any feedback, suggestions, requests, whatever, you can either hit me on Apple Podcasts in the form of a review there, or hit me on Twitter at Howard Beck. Okay, my conversation with Mark and Alex Lazary is coming up next, so stick around. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Back. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Back. Now, 
Now pleased to be joined by co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, Mark Lazary, and his son, the former senior vice president and aspiring senator for the great state of Wisconsin, Alex Lazary. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. I should notice uh, or, or note uh, Mark via Zoom, Alex here in, in person. Um, Mark, of course, you'll be back here uh, soon enough. We are t- uh, taping this on the eve of game four. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm just glad that when we arranged this beforehand, it was it was 2-0. You guys still said yes. I was a little <laughs> worried about what might happen if things had not gone a certain way in game three. So big relief for me as the podcast host that uh, you guys are still in a good frame of mind here. So um, thank you, Giannis. Um, what are, what I mean, get, for both of you, either one of you jump first. Um, the emotions of getting game three, first of all, making this a series. I'm sure you were confident it would go no other way. Um, but just the emotions of that and then whatever the weird mix is right now of going into a game four, another pivotal game, they all are at this stage. What are you guys feeling? This is a big moment for obviously your whole ownership group, this version of the Bucks, this city. What what is what is the mix of emotions right now? Look, obviously it's great, right? And it's a little bit it's funny. It's you sort of hit it on the head. Game one, you're like, okay, great, let's steal it. Uh, game two, you're like, all right, we didn't steal game one. That's all right, we'll steal this one. Game three, you're like, all right, we're going to defend home court, right? So. Every game is actually very important. Um, I think, obviously, if we win tomorrow, uh, then it's a real series, right? I mean, then I think then it's two out of three and anything could happen. Look, ultimately, I think we're the better team. If if we play well, um, we should win. And you saw that yesterday. I mean, you saw it in the last game. Um Giannis is going to get his points. I don't think there's anybody on that team who could stop him. And if Chris and Drew play their game and they play well um, and Brooke plays well, we should win. And I think that's what you saw in game three. And hopefully that continues in game four and for the rest of the series. By the time the listeners hear this, uh, game four will be in the books because this will publish Friday morning. So uh, they, they will just ho- have to guess at what your, your mood might be at that point. Um, Alex, do you go into these games with are – you, are you nervous? Are you pacing? Are you excited? Uh, how, do you, how do you channel it all? Uh, I go into these games really excited. Um, I go into every game thinking we're going to win every game. Um, and so I, my, my predictions uh, don't always seem to go the way I want. But, look, I think we've got, you know, you know obviously one of the best teams in the league. And I think, um, you know, when you've got Giannis, Chris, and Drew, um, I think that's one of the best, you know, big threes in the NBA because you've got three guys who can play both sides of the basketball. And I think that's something that's, you know, really special and – you know, I think coming then to Milwaukee, look, I I think we're really hard to beat at home. I mean, we've, you know, so far, you know, knock on wood, we've only lost one game at home so far. And, you know, that's why I think being able to, you know, come home and, and defend our home court, we've got, you know, some of the best fans in the league. Uh, and so, you know, I knew kind of going into game three, I, I felt very confident that we were going to be able to protect um, that game. And I think going into game four, it's, you know, as my dad said, if, if our guys play our game, um, you know, sometimes the NBA just comes down to make or miss league. And I thought in games, you know, one and two, we just missed a few shots and they made a few shots. Uh, and game three kind of swung the other way. I mean, when Phoenix cut it to four, 
Um, we then hit a couple shots and they missed a few. And I think when you get to this level of basketball, it kind of comes down to, you know, whose shots go in and, and whose doesn't. You mentioned the fans and the fan support. And I mean, it's insane. Um, I've only seen on TV. So I'm here now, of course, and I was here for game three, but of course I was inside uh, in the, the red zone or some kind of colored zone that the, the NBA has created for those of us who have been tested and vaxxed and everything else. So I'm not out amidst the people, but those scenes are insane in, in a good way. Um, your arena's still just a few years old. This is the first time I've been here for the postseason at all, actually. I've been here for a, a regular season game. Um, how much did you guys, in, in planning the arena, was that drawn on, inspired by Jurassic Park in Toronto and because like this is like that on steroids and other things, uh, many other illegal substances, maybe some HGH or something. But it's like it's it's crazy. Did you did you design it that way intentionally? And did you ever have any belief uh, or wildest fantasy that you could fill that kind of space with twenty five thousand people outside the arena? Yeah, I don't. I, I'd love to tell you that's what we thought was going to happen. <laughs> I. I think when we built it and we had that space, the question for us was, look, this will be great, hopefully during games. Um, yeah, and you always dream. You dream that during a game uh, you'll have more people who want to be who want to be there. So hopefully we'll get two or 3,000 people there. And we thought that would be great. Um, I don't think we remotely envisioned that you'd have 20, 25,000 people. I mean, it is – you're packed. I mean, it's standing room only. Uh, you'll see it. I mean, you go out there um, and it feels like this huge open space. And even like a couple hours beforehand, you'll have like 10,000 people and you're like, wow, this is insane. And then it just keeps on growing and growing until um, you can't move. Um, and I think it's fabulous. Look, I think it's it's a testament to the city. It's a testament to the fans. I mean, we're literally having about 40,000 people to every home game. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think it shows also like, you know, what kind of this, the, the, what we envisioned and what we said, you know, would happen when we built Pfizer Forum in the entire Deer District was this was going to become the new living room of Milwaukee. And this was going to be something that was bigger than basketball. And I think what you're seeing is, you know, I think our visitors bureau said that, this is adding about $3 million, um, I think, a game um, in economic impact to um, to the city of Milwaukee. And, you know, when you have 40,000 people coming, you know, west of the river downtown to an area that used to be completely empty, um, you know, 20 years ago, there was no development there. I think it's showing that, look, there was a hunger and, and, and excitement for, um, for, you know, for Bucks basketball and for a, a space like this. And, you know, when we toured, you know, kind of all of these different arenas and spaces, you know, whether it was uh, Jurassic Park or, you know, kind of what they've got in Brooklyn um, and, uh, you know, L.A. Live and a number of other arenas kind of around the country. I think this is starting to become the model where um, you're hoping to kind of build this entire district and entertainment area that people can come watch the game. And even if you're not inside, you still feel a part of that energy and electricity and you know, I, I've said this to a lot of people, to a, you know, a lot of fans and to a lot of my friends, like our guys feel that energy and excitement, even from the people outside. Like they know there's 20,000 people outside the arena screaming and yelling and going crazy. And so I think that's something that, again, gives us that extra boost. And it, it's awesome for the city. It's awesome for all the businesses down there. And 
um, I think it just shows that, you know, there's a lot of people who um, should be betting on Milwaukee. I get, um, you know, there's these moments and when you're covering sports for a long time, you can get a little bit cynical, a little jaded about, you know, just the how fans treat, you know, uh, or fans engage with the game sometimes, not always in the most positive way. And you can get in, you get a little cynical about the business of the sport. But I have to say, um, even in my jaded old journalistic soul here, um, when you see 25,000 people or when it's been with Jurassic Park with however many thousand people there, this is when we talk about sports bringing people together, which sounds like this big sappy cliche, like this is actually what it is. When you see all those people out there just, you know, partying their butts off, having a great time together, um, and in that big of a number, you do see like, OK, sports can it does a lot of other things, too, but it can actually bring people together. And so I, I actually I, I think that's that's wonderful. And also, as someone who's been coming to this city for a long time, um, covering the league, that's exactly as you said, Alex, like the downtown, depending on where you were downtown, there wasn't necessarily a lot going on. The difference I've just seen the last couple of days here is incredible in that part of, of, of town. Like it's it's hopping. Um, I have had way too much sausage and cheese in the last few <laughs> days. And I'm, I'm fearing that my arteries might not survive uh, the week here. Just clean that out with some of the Milwaukee beer and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, um, is, there, is it something in the water here? Is it genetic? Like, what is it? Like, every time the Jumbotron goes up and somebody's up there and they're pounding a beer in like three seconds flat, I, I don't think I've seen that in any other NBA city. I can't personally do that. Uh, what have you guys learned about Milwaukee fans or Milwaukee people that allows them to get that much beer down their throat that quickly? Because I would, uh, I would choke. It's just part of the culture. I mean, you start, <laughs> you start at a young age, and and you just get going. And I think, like you know, it's one of the things that I think also just kind of happens has happened like organically, um, which has just been really cool to see that it's just kind of become the thing on the jumbotron now that you know it started. I think in the um, two years ago in the playoffs when Bakhtiari, you know, chugged two beers in, you know, two seconds and then him and Rogers did the, you know, the back and forth. And, um, I think it's just kind of become a thing now when anyone gets put on the Jumbotron, they're, you know, going to chug a beer really quick. And it's, you know, I think one of those fun organic fan displays that, um, hopefully becomes kind of one of those quintessential Milwaukee things. And we've even seen it then go to Brewers games. Like when I've been to Brewers games, we've seen it now and, and at Packers games. So, um, it's kind of something that's kind of, I think, grown from, uh, you know, from one of our first playoff series a few years ago. And it's been really fun to have that have started from, you know, Bakhtiari, you know, one of the Packers linemen um, getting that going. Um, it's like the most perfect. And I don't mean this in a negative way about Milwaukee to say, like, oh, it's just about like bratwurst and beer, although that seems to be a lot of it. Um, the fact that somebody like obviously a lot of beer companies began here, Schlitz and Pabst and Miller and all this. So they think. It's it's right. It just feels right. It, it feels right to me to look up on the jumbotron and see people pounding beer. So um, oh, I think uh, we're hopefully Alexander and I'll do it at the next game. I was going to ask, <laughs> have you have, have they have you tried it? Like, do you do you, either of you have a personal best? Yeah, the problem is you got to practice, and it's really hard to practice. <laughs> so it's not you can't keep on practicing. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully, we'll try it out. I I, uh, I I think it's mandatory. I think at some point, maybe, you know what, if things go uh, well for your franchise in the next uh, week or so here, maybe that's part of the uh, the celebration okay. is that everybody in the family, all the ownership group, everybody's got to do it. it. It was awesome to see the Bakhtiari father-son combo um, do that. <laughs> I, I, I saw where Bakhtiari got his skills from. Um, so, like, that that was impressive. Um, so, you, so you guys have had your ownership group has, has – uh, 
been in place now for it's it's seven years. So 2014, I believe, is when you you all take over uh, you and and, and yep. Edens and, and Dinan. Um, in 2014, were there any moments where you could plot out the future and say, not that you knew in 2021 you'd be competing for a championship, but just is there anything that was discussed early on that could have foretold or that you could have envisioned? That this soon, and it is soon, like it's hard for NBA franchises. It's obviously been a long time for this one that you could be in this place. Was there any any early hints, any discussions about how to get here? Um, look, part of it was that was your goal. I think um, we knew we had to do two things. First, um, we needed to build a new practice facility. So that was really paramount. Um, because where we were, I mean, when it rained, it would just leak on the court. So um, you couldn't believe that was an NBA practice facility. That place had been there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And two, uh, we had to build a new stadium. So, you know, we knew those were a couple of things that we had to do to bring the Bucks um, uh, to sort of compete with every other NBA team and try to be at a high level with um, sort of on the practice facility on, and for our home court. Um, I think by the third year, we started realizing we've actually got the potential. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, you started realizing that Giannis actually could be somebody really special. And I think as we saw that, um, we, I, and I can't tell you, I mean, maybe Alexander did because he spent more time there. Um, but I, I didn't, I knew Giannis would be really good. I didn't realize how good he could be. And then we started seeing that over the course of the next four years. And I think it's one of the reasons we're here. You know, we, Giannis is a unique individual um, on just as a person, as a human being, and then as a basketball player. Uh, Chris is another, you know, for us, someone that, um, has been able to sort of step up and you need a player like Chris. And we knew Chris was good, but again, I think Chris has raised his level. And so I think we, we knew we had a foundation and the question was, how do we get there? Um, and I think that's sort of what's happened. Yeah. I mean, I think over the last seven years, it's just, it, you know, it, it, it's been, I think like every NBA franchise, right? Like you've had your ups and your downs and then your backups and, You've had to have, you know, a, a lot of foresight and a lot of luck to kind of get where you are. And I think, you know, we thought we had a, a big three in Giannis, Jabari, and Chris, um, I think, when we first started. And then we got Greg Monroe, and we thought, like, oh, wow, the, you know, probably the biggest free agent signing in Bucks history to be able to bring, you know, Moose in. And, um, and then the NBA kind of changed that year. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, you know, you saw that, and then Jabari tears his ACL twice. But... In that first year, you knew you had something really good with Chris. Um, I think, you know, he was playing a ton of minutes. You know, I think he was probably one of our best players our first year with the team. Um, and, and you knew you had something really good. I think what's been so impressive about Chris is every year he's just gotten so much better. And he's turned himself, I think, into a top 15, 20 NBA player um, in the league. And seeing his growth with Giannis turning into, you know, one of the top two players in the NBA – um, I think has, you know, made this really special. And I think that, you know, being able to coincide with the new arena and the new practice facility and all of that kind of coming at the same time, 
Um, I mean, if you look at the first press conference my dad and Wes had, they said they were expecting a championship in five years. Um, I don't know if that was just his normal, their normal bluster, but they expected one in five years. And in five years, we got to the Eastern Conference Finals and we were two games away from going to the NBA Finals. And so, you know, there, there were a lot of ups and downs, a lot of luck involved. But I think, um, you know, having, you know, bringing in Horst and, and Bud, you know, to, um, you know, kind of take the team to the next level. Uh, and then now being able to add Drew, you know, Tuck and, and, and the rest of the guys, like it's all come together and um, it's been a really special year. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Obviously, these things, as you say, like there's always a little bit of luck involved, too. And there are decisions you make along the way where, you know, it's 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 informed, but it's sometimes it's your best hunch. Right. And especially when you're making GM changes or coaching changes, you guys have had both of those things happen um, over the course. That, that's that's, again, normal for NBA franchises. But um, there was some bumpiness in, in the in the GM search before John Horst was was in place. You've had a couple of coaching changes. Um, Bud has come under fire uh Annually, it's an annual tradition among, for those of us in NBA punditry. Um, you guys were criticized for, for letting Malcolm Brogdon walk away um, in the sign and trade. At a moment like this, do you feel some vindication for, you know what, I, you know, yeah, every decision has some opening for some criticism. There's always a little bit of, of, of debate there, but is, does it feel like a vindicating moment for the, the various, you know, bigger decisions that you've had to make along the way? No, I wouldn't say that. I don't. I, I. I don't look at it as us being vindicated. I think it's. Um, I think it's just hard. I think that's what we've learned. Is it's just really fucking hard to get to get here, and that you're. You know, Bud has been coach of the year. I think he's been with us for three years. He's been coach of the year two two out of the three, like you know, by different organizations. Uh, um, it's just hard. Like, and I think. Um, you know, you, you realize you're going to make mistakes and you just hope that the mistakes are small. 
and I, and I know we're going to make mistakes, right? And it's, um, you know, we made a big decision this year, and it could have been a big mistake, by the way. I mean, the big decision we made was we decided to sacrifice depth for having a better starting five, right? And, that, and that's what we did with Drew, right? And, and we sacrificed um, because we said, look, getting if our goal is to get to the playoffs, and in the playoffs, you're going to play your best seven. So depth is great for the regular season, but for the playoffs, um, we'd rather have a better starting five. Um, but that means your guys have to play, and it means your guys can't get injured, right? And um, so I, I wouldn't tell you it's vindication. I think it's you realize how difficult a road it is and that to get here, um, it's a lot of hard work, but it's also a bunch of luck. And, you know, the simple one for that is Kevin Durant. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant, they're down to, I mean, the, the cojones on that guy to not drive to the basket to try to tie the game but or do a pull-up two, but to go backwards and do a turnaround three to try to win the game. And he misses, I mean, the shot goes in, but he misses by an inch. I mean, his foot's on the line. I, I mean, that's luck. That's not, it's not like you could plan it. I mean, it, right? we were trying not to get him to get the ball and he still got the ball. We were trying not to get him to shoot. He still shot. So I, I think you see that a lot of this is luck and, and, and it's hard work. I mean, it's just, you know, we were in the right place at the right time and things have worked out. And I think you also got to remember, and I think a lot of times we become prisoners of moments and outcomes, um, you know, kind of tell the story. But we were, you know, what, 20 seconds away from being up 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. And if it wasn't for, you know, you know, in game five, like Kawhi hits two step back threes on Brook, um, tough shots to put them up. And, you know, like that, that series, even though Toronto won four straight, that was a closer series than I think people remember. Um, and then we have all of a sudden we are rolling through the regular season and a once in a generation pandemic hits that shuts the season down. And then, you know, you've got, um, you know, a social and racial justice movement and, you know, and a shooting of Jacob Blake, like in our backyard. And you're now in a bubble and you're away from your family. Like that was a tumultuous season that happened last year. And like, this has been a really crazy last couple years. And I think really, though, like what we were able to do this year was kind of, you know, just in line with how hard it is to get to the finals and how you don't just do it in that first year. I mean, the year we got to the Eastern Conference Finals, that was the first year, like, we got past the first round in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so it takes time to get to that stage. And I think we had to go through some adversity before you can really realize like and, and wanted to know how to win. I think Chris has talked about it a ton is the experience is what's helped us get here. You know, we've been down 2-0 before, which is why I think our team feels just as confident in being able to win this series as they felt being able to win before because we were down 2-0 and we came back and won. And I think they feel that same way right now. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to Jacob Blake and also just, you know, social justice and, and some of the things that, that you guys went through as a franchise and, as, of course, as a league last year. But um, sticking with the basketball for a minute, one of the things that's striking about and I, and I wrote this recently and, and Mark, you and I have talked about this before, as you know, I'm a big advocate for the idea. Like I, I've been a big market um, resident all my life, uh, but I'm very much about 
the idea that these small markets in the NBA or the non-destination markets like need to have belief. There needs to be hope. There needs to be a way. And when LA or New York or Miami or whoever else is building super teams, my thought is always, if you cannot find a way for Milwaukee and Indiana, Memphis, and the rest of these to have hope and build a different way to combat that, then I think that's corrosive. I think that's, that's, that's bad for the league and bad for a lot of fan bases. So here we have a finals where you guys are one of the smaller markets. Phoenix is like mid-market, but hasn't been a destination for, for quite a while. And you both built almost similarly in that their best player was drafted, you know, Devin Booker, 13th overall. Um, Aiton was number one, but he's like their third best player. So it's, it's not like they're built around a number one pick. You guys are built around a number 15 pick and a second rounder in Chris Middleton and a late uh, first rounder in Drew. And... Like, this is it. This is what I think you and I even talked about on our previous podcast a couple years back, Mark, which is this is it. This is the alternate model, if there is one. I don't know if it's replicable, but um, I think this is, this is healthy for the league in that it's showing you can do this without either poaching somebody else's superstars um, or, or multi-year tanking. Um, because it is, it's, it's a lot harder to draw a second star to a market like this. Uh, and Mark, you got fined for even, uh, alluding to it at one point. So I hate to bring that up. I'm sorry. Um, but, but, but it's, you know, does it, does it feel good at a time like this, at this moment where you guys and your front office can look around and say, you know what? We, we got it. There, there is an alternate. You don't have to have a super team. You don't have to have three top 15 players or poach other superstars or do a multi-year tank. This we've just shown. Here's the, here's the proof of concept. Well, yeah, but I think you and I have talked about this. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you've got to be right on your draft picks, right? So, you know, we, you know, we we selected Giannis 15th, and um, we were right on that, and other people were wrong, right? So you've got to have the talent in your front office that can make those decisions, like Chris trading for Chris and getting Chris. You know, we drafted Malcolm Brogdon in the second round and he became rookie of the year, right? So I, I think a lot of this is what it shows is if you've got a good eye for talent, um, you're going to do well and you're going to be able to compete, right? And I think, I mean, Phoenix is also a great example of that because I think um, I think they ended up having Devin Booker, who's been an all-star, is 13. Um, Aiden will turn out to be really good. You know, maybe he's just coming a little bit later, but, um, you know, whether he should have been number one or he should have been a top, he, he definitely should be a top five, right? I mean, you would say he should have been a top five. So I, I think part of this is, and I don't think, I, and I think this is the part that gets lost in the NBA. You better be really good at picking talent. Um, you better be really good at picking talent. You better be really good at putting a team together so that everybody works well together. And I think that's one of the things John has done, which has been fabulous, is fitting the pieces to go alongside Giannis. And I think it's what Phoenix has done is putting the pieces to go alongside Devin Booker. Right. I think Chris Paul has been a great addition to them. I think Drew Holiday has been a great addition to us. I mean, we gave up a lot for Drew. Um and I would tell you, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Drew, right? We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Chris or for Giannis, but you need all three of those and you take away any of those three in the Phoenix side, they wouldn't be in the finals either, right? So you've got to be able to draft well, um, not at number one, but at below 10. And that's, that's what's going to separate you. 
What do you remember about the Giannis draft? What do you remember about, and I don't know like how, t- how closely either of you are to the war room or the conversations on draft night as that pick is coming up, but do you re- recall anything either going into the draft or that? That was the year before us. Oh, that uh, was the year. Yeah, That's right. So. That's right. Yeah, but don't, let, let's not mention that. Let's say that it was solely. We'll edit that part out. I, I can still tell you what I remember about that draft. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you that if we had owned the team that year, that's what we would have done. All right. So hundred percent. And and he had and my dad had the foresight to make sure that we kept Giannis. I think that was There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about that though. Let's talk about keeping Giannis because a couple of years ago, everything was, and I even came out and wrote a story partially based on this, that, you know, the league, you know, the, the, the vultures were circling as as they do. Everybody was planning for how to poach Giannis. Um, there are teams still right now, in fact, that have all kinds of cap room this summer because they were saving it for him in the hope that they could uh, steal him away. So tell me about the moment that you get the call or just the final word. You pro- it's, it's probably no one moment. It's, you know it's coming. But when you know for sure that he's signing that extension last year, um, give me a sense of, of, those, of that conversation or that moment. I, I think it started during the summer. And, and what I mean by that, it, it's not you got a word. It's that, um, you know, we've been spending the last five years building a relationship, right? And that relationship on both ends, it's making sure Giannis is comfortable being in Milwaukee and us letting him know how important he is to the franchise. And I think that summer it was just mainly us just talking to him about um, – you know, here's where the team is, here's what we're doing. And just, you know, just staying in contact and making sure that we heard what was important to him. Right. And obviously we couldn't talk about the contract during that time. So we didn't, but what we could talk to you about is um, here's where we're seeing next season. Here's what we're going to be able to do. Um, And you, you get a sense for, are we all on the same page? Right. And I think that's, we, we knew we were on the same page, which was, look, at the end of the day, what Giannis wants more than anything is to win. He's made that abundantly clear to us, to coaches, to players. That's his focus. And he had to believe and he had to know that that's what we were interested in doing as well. And I think when we traded for Drew, um, I think that sort of sent a very strong message. And then when we were able to talk to Giannis about it, um, you know, that was really the conversation. It just kept on going. Um, I forget when it was, whether it was December 1st, you know, whatever the date was that we were allowed to, we started talking about, look, here's what we're going to try to do. Don't worry. We're going to spend what it takes. Um, yeah, we'll be in the luxury tax. We understand that, but you have our commitment that we're going to try to do everything we can to win. And I think part of that is, you know, there, there's gotta be a relationship there where Giannis believes that and his agent believes that um, and his family believes that and everybody believes this is the best place for him. I think also, to be honest with you, there was a huge comfort level in Milwaukee. Um, I think he loved living here. Um, So I I, I think for us, as long as he felt we were going to do what we needed to do, everything was going to be fine. So we felt pretty comfortable that things would work themselves out. I'm reminded of, of the question that um, and Dan Clores uh, did this in basketball, uh, uh, a love story where it was to, to all the coaches about winning a championship, relief or joy, um, re-signing Giannis, relief or joy? 
joy i mean joy for me from my end i mean like I, I i kind of agree like there was always this feeling that i think we always felt hey Giannis loves milwaukee he had reiterated in the press all the time how much it would mean to win a championship with the city and team that drafted him um you know he had a great relationship with and has a great relationship with horst who was part of the team that drafted him and had been with him you know since he first moved to you know america and to wisconsin um, you know, with my dad, Wes and Jamie. And, you know, I think it was just, you know, something that we were like, okay, awesome. Like, this is really exciting. This is going to be now, hopefully we can finish what we started, which was to try to win a championship. And, um, so for me, it was, it was a lot of joy. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit about the things you learn along the way. Is there anything specific that, you know, you, you, you now, if you could talk to 2014 versions of yourselves, about the NBA itself, about basketball. We, we all think we know basketball from the outside, I and mean, you guys are in the midst of this in a very different way that, than I am, but I've been in a lot of gyms and with, around a lot of teams. You guys are in the, in the internal workings of this. What is like the one thing, like the, you know, it doesn't have to be particularly profound, but there's something that you, you know now in 2021 that you didn't when you, you guys first went down, uh, you know, started this journey with this franchise? It's a great question. It really is. I, I would tell you, um do not do not judge things on what's happened in the past but try to judge things on what you think is going to be the future right and i think um i i think when i look back that's where we made a lot of mistakes in the first couple of years um i think you know and greg monroe was a great guy and still is but at the time if you think back to 2014, he was one of the biggest free agents available. And we focused very hard on getting him because we were like, we need a power center. We need somebody who's going to play inside. And even though the NBA was moving towards more positionless basketball, and I, I think we were trying to do things based on what the past was as opposed to the future. And... Um, and I, and I think we've we've learned, and what the advice I would have given myself is, look, try try to figure out what the innovations are going forward, and then try to draft or pick players who are going to fit that mold, as opposed to players, um, you know, who you think fit another mold, which is what's worked in the past. I didn't realize how much change there was in the NBA. And how much you had to adapt. Um, and it seems like you need to do that. And you need to do that every year. Um, so I, that, that's what I've learned. You know, that we really need to sort of figure out, all right, for next year, what are we going to need? Um, don't look at what you've got today as saying, okay, that worked. We don't need to do anything. It's, yeah, you do. Because everybody else is making changes around you. And we better be keeping up with them. People may not remember this. Um, listeners may not remember this, but in 2014, well, one, a lot of teams didn't necessarily see this massive three-point revolution yeah. and positionless coming. There were hints of it, but not to this degree. Two, that was a big deal when Greg Monroe chose you guys over the New York, over New York, over LA. He was hotly pursued. That was considered a huge, huge signing and an early victory for for you know your uh, yeah. franchise for with you guys in charge because. He picked Milwaukee over the big markets. I think it showed. I, I look. 
what that showed was that we could compete and that being in Milwaukee did not mean that we can't go get free agents and that players don't want to be here. And I think that's what we learned from that. And I think the other thing is, like, you know, you've got to look at where the future is, but also realize, like, every team is kind of built different and you've got to play to your strengths. You're not going to be able to do everything. And I think even when you look now, like, you know, we talk about this small ball three-point revolution, and yet the two teams in the NBA Finals have traditional bigs in Aiden and Brooke, like both starting on their teams. We talk about the three-point revolution and, like, what's dominated this series? Well, Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the mid-range and Giannis, you know, Drew, Brooke, and everyone in in the restricted area. And, like, it's, you know, not everyone is going to be able to have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and and that team. And I think you've got to try to build the team and, and realize that no team is going to be the same. You're not going to be able to build the team just as, you know, the Heat took their big three and um, and then the, the Warriors did theirs. Like, you've got to kind of build your own identity and there's no one way to win. Um, but I think the one thing I would also say that we learned is, like, if I could go back until 2014, us, like, patience is, is okay. Like, I thought it was awesome when we got Greg Monroe and that was huge. But I also think we, you know, tried to skip some steps. And there's, you know, a maturation process through all of this. And you've kind of got to, you know, go through that. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We alluded to this earlier, um, that last year was obviously a, a, a very tumultuous time for the entire country, certainly for the league, um, social justice movement, in, in addition to the pandemic, the bubble, all of that coincides. And then your team is at the very center of, of one of the bigger moments within the bubble because it was the Bucks who decided first to, to stage what we have essentially would call a wildcat uh, strike. Um, what do either of you recall about that night and what did you... What was your role? What do you feel your role should be in a moment like that as ownership, as team officials, 
um, when the players are coming to you and basically saying, listen, um, this Jacob Blake thing, it's, it's weighing on us. We're, we, we can't go out there tonight. We, we, we can't do this. Ba- this is not a time for basketball. How do you guys respond, and what, do you, what is your responsibility in a, in a moment like that? Um, I think part of it is, and I think this part is very important, um, you've got to be close to your team. You've got to sort of understand the players. And I think for at least on, on our side, on my side, on Wes's side, on Jamie's side, I think we've got great relationships with the players. And, you know, when we were told what was happening, um, I think all of us just immediately understood it and supported the players in their decision. Um, and I think that meant a lot to the players and um, that, you know, there wasn't a question. It wasn't, oh, look, I think you guys need to get out there and play. It was fully understand. Um, we fully support it and we're going to back everything that you're doing. Um, so I, I think you need to have a little bit of a symbiotic relationship with your players um, where at least they know that we're going to be behind them um, in things that are important to them. So um, I, I thought it, it was, you know, I found out five minutes before the game, um, got a phone call and, you know, our GM called us and I was like, okay, I understand. Let me, you know, I'll call the NBA and let him know. And he goes, we're doing that right now. I was like, okay, well, I'm here if anybody needs and let's put out a statement that we fully support what the players are doing. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's our role, right? Like the, the players, you know, basically said like, Hey, this is something we want to do. Um, and I think being able to support them and say, Hey, we're behind you hundred percent and tell us how we can be helpful. And, you know, we started getting calls from, you know, the guys saying, Hey, we want to learn more about what's going on. Can you get some elected officials, you know, on the phone for us? And so we made sure that we did that. Um, you know, we want to put out a statement so that they can put out a statement that says, that you know they know what's going on and and do something that was pretty unprecedented and I think quite frankly should then led a lot of other teams I mean like the NFL right after us which for the last few years had been um, hammered for their treatment in right you know me. in this you know in in this similar scenario um, ends up teams putting out statements saying like hey we want to um, you know we need the George Floyd Policing Act passed and you know. Roger Goodell apologizing for how they handled the Colin Kaepernick situation. And I think that's something that people will remember the bubble for. Um, And, you know, we all want to win a championship and winning a championship is, you know, uh, our goal. But, you know, as we said, and even our statement, some things are bigger than basketball. And I think what people will remember that bubble for was, you know, the Bucks showing leadership and, and the players standing up saying, enough is enough. Um, you know, we want action. And, you know, that, that was something that, you know, I, I know I couldn't be more proud of them. And that is a moment that I will always remember and be able to, you know, tell, you know, my kids and uh, my dad's grandkids, like, Hey, like our team, you know, when there was time to stand up for justice, they did it. And I, and I do want to say, because I've been covering this league a long time, and I get every press release from every team all the time in my, my email box, and you can see the teams that are more engaged than others. I, I, I'm saying this. This is not my pandering in the midst of this. I'm saying you guys have been more proactive on those things, I think, than most um, when it was Jacob Blake, when it was previous incidents, when it was your own player um, being wrongfully arrested. Um, this franchise, I feel like, has been very proactive and, and, and assertive 
about making those statements, being supportive of the players, and, and also just noting its role, taking a responsibility for the the things going on around you in this in this community. And so I, I, I commend the Bucks for, for doing that during your ownership tenure. That has been, I think, no, notable um, and, and notable compared to, to many other franchises. So I, d- I did want to say that without sounding like I'm pandering too much. Well, there's, there's a legacy that we also have to, you know, that, that, that we had to fulfill. I mean, Herb Cole, you know, being one of the yeah. greatest philanthropists that Wisconsin's ever had, being a, you know, a, a former senator, like he was, you know, in those fights, you know, on that line and, um, and making sure that, you know, him and the Bucks were a leader in being a corporate citizen. And I think, you know, we've, we're trying to make sure that we kind of fill those big shoes. Um, before I let you guys go, a couple quick ones, because you mentioned the senator, Senator Cole. You are now running for Senate. Alex, um, on, as, as a Democrat in, in Wisconsin, uh, Mark, you, you, you both have been obviously heavily involved in, in politics. You know how nasty this can get. Um, you also know that, you know, uh, straddling that line as sports um, entrepreneurs or sports owners, uh, you know, running a team and also being engaged with politics or social justice, that there's, there's always a little bit of a, of, a, of a risk there. How do you feel about Alex's run? How do you feel about the, the confluence of NBA fandom and the politics and how the, the, uh, your fans react? Any, any thoughts on just this, uh, this thicket that, that Alex is wading into? Look, it's hard. Uh, you know, I actually really do believe in, in America. I think here, um, what this country was built on was trying to always do the right thing. You know, it is that beacon on the hill. And I know it sounds hokey. And I, you know, for us, that's sort of how I've always viewed it. And I've told Alexander, look, um, you know, you were lucky enough um, that life has worked out for me. Um, We have an obligation to help others. I hope, you know, you're going to choose a life of public service. And I think it's something he's been really interested in. And look, I think he, if I'd love him to be the Senator, because I think he'd be obviously unbiased. I think he'd be a great Senator, but I think he really cares and he's trying to help others. And, um, and it's selfless. Look, at the end of the day, you've got to want to help other people. Um, That's the reason people get into public service, right? And and it's hard. It just is because there's a lot of people who will attack you for doing a lot of things. So it's just part of life, and I think you got to get used to it. Are you prepared for all that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you get uh, like that's you know that, that that's that's part of the price of trying to then be able to do some good work. And politics, just like sports, is very personal for people. It's very intense, um, and like we've seen it, you know, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone thinks they're right, and this is a very personal thing, whether it's your politics or your sports, and. Um, you know, I think, you know, for me, you know, trying to do good and trying to make a meaningful impact on people's lives is something I've tried to do my entire life. Um, and, you know, it's something that we've tried to kind of use as a, a moral center for the Bucks, uh, making sure that we're you know, trying to make sure that we're building a championship team on the court, but off the court as well and being that true corporate citizen. Um, and now in this run, you know, trying to make sure that, look, that we can try to bring some change and hopefully get some real things done that's going to be able to um, move this country forward. Mark, are we going to see you in the next season of Billions? This is really important stuff i got to get to before we go. Obviously. I mean, first of all, I, I, I don't understand why I'm not the lead, but that, that that's between me and my agent. and and But I'm working on that, man. I'm working on it. 
We'll, we'll get we'll get Koppelman on the phone and see what we can figure we'll out. Get we'll get him. All right. Yeah, you got to bring Alex on. <laughs> you got to get Alex on there. Also, Alex, well, Alex you also have to catch up to your dad on the. Uh, he's he's had the celebrity game at All Star Weekend. I, we haven't seen you get out there yet. So. I, I know I'm not a celebrity yet. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> win, win the Senate race first, then yeah. play the celebrity All Star game. Uh, guys, this has been great, Mark. I know you got to go. Um, congrats on all the success so far. Good luck the rest of the way. Congrats on the baby coming and the grandchild coming. Um, this has been a, this has been a blast, guys. Thank you. Okay, that's today's show. My thanks again to Mark and Alex Lassery. Thanks as always to our producer, Shelby Royston, and thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter at Howard Beck. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.